Hi, my name is Anda Ginska, and this is Pros and Content. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Notch, a digital content intelligence platform. I'm a massive data nerd who's fallen in love with storytelling. And so on the Pros and Content podcast, we will be featuring a series of really incredible leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance, measurement, scalability, and optimization of storytelling. So today I'm joined by Kevin Thompson, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Sotheby's International Realty. And what was really interesting about this conversation was that this was one of the first real estate brands that I ever met who thinks very deeply about their brand experience and about content as a massive piece to that. They're thinking about how to make magazines that are scalable across every single geography in the world. They're essentially working with partners to create the bare bones of both a digital and offline magazine that can then be augmented by each geography in their own voice with their own content. And to see an effort like that be created over the course of a few months is really, really impressive. We also talked a bit about how do you justify the importance of that to your senior stakeholders. Ultimately, you're not immediately signing people up to buying a house. So how do you move that conversation um, into a more inspirational conversation with the customer while maintaining your stakeholders internally happy and aware that you're driving towards their business strategy? Here's my conversation with Kevin Thompson. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on Pros and Content. Um, I wanted to ask you to share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are. Sure. Uh, So it's great to be here. Um, So I'm Kevin Thompson. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Sotheby's International Realty. Um, How did I get to be here? I, you know, it's an interesting journey. I actually, um, I I would not have, have guessed that this would be where I land in terms of my career trajectory. I started out in education. Um, and I came to New York City. I'm Canadian. I came wow. to New York City initially to work for the New York City Board of Ed. Um, but I left that uh, organization to after you know a, a project that I was overseeing there. I left to start my own company. Um, that turned into an opportunity to work in luxury retail. And I worked for brands like Gucci and Barney's New York and Montclair for a number of years um, prior to joining Sotheby's International Realty two years ago. That's amazing. So you're an immigrant and an entrepreneur like myself. I guess so. Yes. Yeah, we are. <laughs> what yeah. happened with the company that you started? Um, so I, so, the, and actually this is, this is the, what I did with my own company, I left uh, retail, or sorry, I left education to start my own retail business. I'd worked in retail. That's how I paid my way through university in Canada. And I was always fascinated by the business of retail and sort of managing customer experience and understanding how to connect with consumers in meaningful ways. And that was always fascinating to me. And I thought, I, I want to give this a try on my own. Um, so I did. I tried. Uh, ultimately, I, I didn't succeed. It failed. But that <laughs> failure turned into an opportunity to totally. join an organization like Gucci. So I don't, you I don't think about it as a failure. <laughs> I'll call it a pivot. We'll yeah, say a pivot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. So I manage the, the Sotheby's International Realty for the, the globe. We're in 72 yeah. countries. We have 23,000 agents. We're, we're, we really are the only global luxury real estate network. Um, but I come from a luxury fashion. So I worked for Gucci for a number oh, of years. Amazing. I worked for Barney's New York. Gucci. And so I was part of all of that sort of all this, you know, the I was at Gucci when just I joined just after Tom Ford left. And when he left, the company had to sort of figure out what they were about again, right? Because the cult of personality that was Tom Ford had departed. And we had to reimagine what the in-store experience was going to be, what building relationships with consumers meant, and all of those things. Daniela Vitale was president of Gucci America mm-hmm. at the time. 
super, you know, incredible to work for, super bright. You know, she she knew, she sort of saw the financial upheaval coming the way that some others did. And I think positioned the company around this idea of sort of telling the brand story and using that, the history and the heritage of this, you know, 90-year-old company um, to tell great stories, to connect in more meaningful ways with our consumers so that when the downturn hit, we had this emotional attachment to our clients and we that. knew who they were and yeah. we understood that would make them sort of feel more obligated to continue to shop with us. I mean, and that's, you know, the stronger the emotional attachment, the more obligation there was totally. to work with a specific sales associate to come in and visit them in the store. And so at that point, you know, the economic crash happened and 2010 was Gucci America's most profitable year ever, which is just unbelievable for a retail brand in 2010 to be able to say is this that. well known to the world no it's that probably is not crazy um so then so mark lee was president of, of gucci um worldwide daniela was gucci daniela vitale was gucci america both left the organization and they moved to barney's new york and i got the chance to move with them which was incredible another very storied brand you know the the story t- i mean barney's was built on telling great stories right they were built on creating sort of cutting edge fashion and Barney's New York in its heyday in the 80s and early 90s was the place you had to go in New York to sort of see what couldn't be seen anywhere else. And you had these brilliant sales associates who could sort of wrap you up in the world of, you know, high end fashion. Um, And so there were amazing stories to tell there, too. And even, you know, the evolution of the company and starting in 1923. And it was, you know, um, uh, it was founded that the founder pawned his his wife's wedding ring. The the, the myth is the story is he pawned his wife's wedding ring to get the money to open the first store. So I was part of all of that. And then I came to real estate and I thought I I get so I know the I know this consumer because I've been talking to them for a long time. It's the same consumer that Gucci was talking to, the same consumer Barney's was talking to, where, you know, Sotheby's International Realty is high-end luxury real estate, and that's the space we operate in. But the real estate industry was kind of in the same place that we were at when I started at Gucci um, in, like, 2006, 2005, 2006. Two years ago, they were in that place. That's amazing because you know, the, there's no stories that are being told, not, right? Not in the same way, right? So there aren't there they're not there are other than Sotheby's International Realty. I you know there are maybe two or three more global real estate brands, right? There and there there is no other real estate brand I believe that consumers aspire to transact with, right? No one's aspiring to transact with Keller Williams, right? They're not thinking, I want to live a Keller Williams lifestyle. Right. Because that that there's no meaning there. There's no sort of emotional connection to that. But when when you know I talked to clients and we did focus groups, we did a big research project with BCG when I started and they talk about Sotheby's and Sotheby's International Realty, they get excited and you see sort of the sparkle in their eye and they think, you know, it means something to the idea of buying a Sotheby's International Realty home or selling a Sotheby's International Realty home has extraordinary value to them on a very in a very personal way because we're, you know, through our association with the auction house and and we've been the world's longest standing tastemaker, right? 275 years this brand has been defining what it means to be in the luxury space. Um, and there's incredible value there, but we were not telling the story well. Um, you know, we're, we are, we have company owned offices in some of the major markets in, in the U S and North America, but then we have 220 franchise companies independently owned around the world. And 
I think, you know, again, I, I sort of, it immediately felt like that spot we were sitting in in Gucci in 2005, where we didn't, we didn't know our clients really well. We hadn't really invested in that sort of emotional attachment. Certainly, we have incredible agents out there selling these extraordinary homes all around the world. But often I found that after that initial transaction, the relationship sort of ended there, right? You're, you know, as a real estate agent, you're lucky if you get to transact with the same client twice, right? And it, and if it does happen a second time, on average, it's, you know, five to seven years after the first transaction. So what do you do in those five years, right? How do you, how do you maintain the relationship? Yeah. What, and, and the, I don't. And the emotional connection. Yeah. And so, and I don't think the, the opportunity was there. I thought the opportunity and continues to be extraordinary, but the, the, you know, there, there wasn't a, a lot of product that existed for agents to sort of grab onto and use to tell stories, right? The, the, the means of, 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 um, sort of distributing the content were not there. So that was the big the big task at hand when I first joined. So when you think about the effort behind content, is it just about nurturing current customers? Is it about creating an emotional connection with new customers? How do you think about the two and so dividing between the two? Yeah, it's so it's both. So when I started, I thought, um, you know, the, the established luxury consumer knows Sotheby's. They know the auction house. They know Sotheby's International Realty. They, if they're not, if they haven't transacted with us, you know, we're somewhere in their sphere of influence. They're, they are aware, right? Um, uh, so there was this, there was this opportunity, I think, for us to connect in more meaningful ways with established luxury consumers. The big, big opportunity for me that I saw was for us to create ways to connect in meaningful, you know, to connect in meaningful ways with the emerging affluent millennial, right? So the, those millennials sort yeah. of on the upper end of that demographic who are just beginning to come into wealth, who, you know, who are going to be the recipients of that massive transfer of wealth that's going to happen, that's started happening now. And they're thinking about buying their first home. They know Sotheby's, the brand awareness is very, very high, but they, the consideration is is not you know they i think uh, again we you know going back to the research we did with boston consulting group we sat down with focus groups all around the u.s we did them online we talked to consumers around the world and often what we heard was you know i of course i know what sotheby's is i'm you know i'm aware of the auction house i'm aware of of the you know sotheby's as tastemaker i'm not sure if it's the right brand for me as an mm. emerging affluent millennial right they're interested in what's new and what else is out there. And, you know, the, yeah. the idea of disruption is just part of their everyday life. I mean, this is a data sample of one, but I would I would almost think it is for a different type of person. Like when I think Sotheby's, mm -hmm. I think the auction house and I think the, you know, the, what do you call the man who actually does the auction? Is that the auctioneer? The auctioneer. The auctioneer, yeah. um, you know, dressed in like a three-piece yeah. suit. And um, and so I don't identify with that. Yeah. But I definitely am, am aware of the brand. Yeah. And yet... Where, you know, the auction house is selling skateboards and sneakers. Totally, and, yeah. You know, we are, we are selling to that audience. I didn't, I don't think we were necessarily doing a great job Catering. of telling the story yeah. about it and, yeah. and, and offering them more access points to connect in meaningful ways, right? right? And to build that emotional connection. So that was the, the task at hand when I first started. It's a brand that's been extraordinarily successful. I mean, the growth trajectory in 2004. Uh, we managed about four billion dollars in sales volume, and last year we did 112. Wow! Um, so it's it's incredible. incredible growth in a very short period of time, and and that is in large part due to this extraordinary brand awareness. People know the brand, um, and they're really they're they're seeking out 
the emotional attachment. Um, when we started looking at analytics around our website, which we're relaunching this year, we're relaunching our website, uh, working with huge, uh, fantastic company out of Brooklyn. Um, we, uh, we found that the, the 65% of the visitors to our website are between 18 and 44. I was shocked by that statistic. I did, I would never have guessed that that would be, the number would be that high. So they're already looking for us, right? We have 200,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel. We have more subscribers than Zillow does. So they're coming to us for content. And so the, the sense of urgency around creating, creating the it, right yeah. content, um, is, is, you know, certainly at the front of my mind and my team's mind every day, um, at the brand level. And we're, a, we're a small team. Um, but we've had we've had some big wins in this space. So we we started a, a new publishing platform with the Dow Jones uh, Media Group, Dow Jones Barons Group, um, and we launched a, a new print publication, which seems sort of old school. Um, but when we talked to our, you know, when we did the focus groups with BCG and we asked about print and what they want from a brand like Sotheby's in print, what they said they didn't want was a listing catalog. Right. Mm, because the, right. because the, the, the home journey, the selection journey now starts on your phone. That's where it starts for everyone, everywhere. That's a given. Um, they're, they're looking at aggregators. Hopefully they're clicking through to our website and they're looking at the homes. We know they are, right? That's 65% of eight, you know, 18 to 44 year olds. Um, but they value print and, and the emerging affluent millennial, uh, place three times the value on print publications that established luxury consumers did if the content is relevant. the right content, right? If it's relevant, if it's meaningful, if it's engaging. They wanted us to tell stories. They told us that. They said, I want to hear about these phenomenal homes. You don't have to tell me that it's sort of six bedrooms and five bathrooms <laughs> and 8,000 square feet. Tell me about who built it. Tell me about what it feels who like to live there. It. I want to imagine the experience of right. being in this home. Um, and then because of our association with the auction house, we're also able to talk about food and wine and travel and art and all these incredible things. Um, and so that pub, the reside publication has just taken off. It's really, it has grown faster than we possibly could have imagined. We, we almost have trouble keeping pace with the demand from our network. Um, do you have anything online for that or is it do. all off? So it, it, so it, the initial thought was we'll launch this as the magazine. Um, it very, very quickly, um, uh, started the content started to feed into the website or we started to feed it into Great. the website. Yeah. We created, you know, a landing page for the, the content there. That has grown just incredibly fast over the last 12 months. And it actually has informed all the work we're doing to relaunch the website. So as the website, we're doing the the relaunch work starts is, has started now. We're doing eight sprints with Huge. So that'll take us through September, October um, to get sort of the basic framework built. And really that reside sort of landing page ha is, you know, when, when agents ask me, what's the new website going to look like? I just send them there. I say, it's, it's going to be very editorial, very agent focused. We're, we're building sort of this forum to allow agents to tell their stories too, because that's really important to us. And it's really important to them, right? Agents are, they're independent contractors in the U S um, you know, they're, they, we have a, a highly dedicated, um, um, agent population, they tend not to leave very often. You know, you know, the, a lot of real estate companies struggle with sort of attrition and agents moving from brand to brand to brand to brand, looking for a better deal or, you know, better commission or, um, higher splits. And that happens less with us because there's the agents also have an emotional connection to the brand. They understand for the most part, the power of what it can do. Um, but it was sort of a core initiative for rebuilding the website to create a space for agents to contribute content on their own. Um, 
that's not going to be easy because they we need them to do that. Um, and if they don't, then we'll have less, you know, there will be less there to offer to consumers. But, but I'm I think, assuming you also have to understand which of that content is the most impactful. Yeah. And- how to feature the ones that are most likely to connect. Yeah, yeah. And we you know, we have we have some rock star agents who just do who are going to do a phenomenal job that we've yeah. already, you know, we've been beta testing this idea with them already. But it's it's this is a learning curve for us. Totally. You know, again, we're an industry that was behind the curve, right? I I I believe we're the last global industry to be disrupted hmm. like major industry to be disrupted, right? Automotive it's happened, retail it's happened, it's happened everywhere. Except real estate, it's happening now. It's it's really just I think the the um, you know the ball got rolling about three four years ago. Yeah, there's um, so many startups in the space yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, and they're being you know those those startups are being looked at differently and thought about differently because and, of the brand. You know, they're telling stories around technology yeah. and and so there's a bit of a. Um, I guess there, you know, I think a lot of real estate brands are struggling to catch up with that. Um, We benefit because we have, we have, you know, decades and centuries of this incredible content, right? We can talk about being the brand that sold Napoleon's library, but we can also (laughs) talk about the brand that, you know, had the, the, you know, the, the, the Banksy event just a short time ago where the artwork sort of slid through the bottom. You know, I remember I read it. It was everywhere. Incredibly exciting. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're leaning into your strength, which is great. Yes. Because I think a lot of, um, you know, institutional older school brands are trying to copy some mm-hmm. some of the work that they see startups doing. And you see that across all the other industries that are getting disrupted, including some of the CBG industries. Right. But what's interesting to hear about you is that you're basically saying, no, we have this incredible history. We need to make content around it. And we need to create an emotional affiliation around it, too. Yeah. yeah. And really I think cool. and we, we need to use technology to deliver the creativity, right? I know this is something you guys yeah. talk about. We need to use the tech to deliver, to, to enhance our ability to be creative and totally. then to deliver it. We have, we have the content. We have tons of content. I'm sure, yeah. Um, you know, the, the means by which we get that to consumers, that's what we're looking at really carefully. That's why the website had to be relaunched. You know, we, we had a, an amazing opportunity. Um, a year and a half ago, Google reached out to us and said, you know, we're launch, we're re- going to relaunch AR Core, our augmented reality platform. And we've been secretly vetting a hundred or so brands behind the scenes. Sotheby's International Realty has been one of them. We settle on four. You're one of the four. You're the only real estate brand we want to work with. Enormously flattering for us, you know, that we, that was an amazing phone call to get. Yeah. But then Google also said, you know, you've got 90 days to, uh-huh. to, to build an app to that we can, that we can use, you know, we, they, we got to launch our app with them on the main stage at the, um, um, the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, um, which is incredible. I mean, it makes this festival look tiny. It's, yeah. it's massive. Um, but that was, you know, that was a great opportunity for us to sort of, you know, stake our claim in the tech space and be able to do something fast and um, that was creative that, you know, where it allows agents to virtually stage homes in real time with a client. So if they're walking through a home that's unfurnished and the client, you know, is saying, I love the space, but I can't imagine my furniture. I don't know if, or I don't know if this is my style. They can open the app and furnish it. You know, they can put a mid-century modern living room set in the room and walk around it in augmented reality and give the client a sense of what it feels like to be in that space. So it's a great way to sort of, you know, use tech to be very creative in the moment, in the middle of the transaction with the client. So we've talked a bit about the the Dow Jones magazine. How do you think about creating content that's relevant around the world in language? 
the challenge with that we took to Dow Jones, so we knew we had to do a print publication. Um, we're in 72 countries. So my mandate is anything that I create with my team sitting in Madison, New Jersey has to work everywhere in the world. So how do you do that with a print publication without spending an absolute fortune to do it? So we went to a number of publishers and we took this challenge to them and we said, look, this is what we need to do. This is how it needs to work. Can you solve for this? So that it is the voice of Sotheby's International Realty that is and and it needed to be customizable enough to work in every market that we're in around the world. So in order to get agents to buy into it, it had to have value in their market, right? So an agent in Cyprus is reside is the title of the magazine. So is reside relevant to them? Does it talk about things that are meaningful to their clients or South Africa or Canada or, you know, so, um, some publishers passed. They said, no, this can't be done. It's too complicated. <laughs> um, Dow Jones said, uh, we're not sure if this can be done, but we'd like to try. We'd like to work on this with you. And what we ended up building with them is really unprecedented. We built a, a new publishing infrastructure that allows the brand to create core content and deliver that to our affiliates as a base book that they then customize. Um, they can add any creative that they want that, you know, it's all vetted through our teams, you know, my team and the Dow Jones team. We have a team of editors there as well. Um, it's all of our content. It belongs to us. It belongs to our affiliates. They can add listings if they want. So there's a gallery of listings in the back of the magazine. If that if that's something that they want to do, they don't have to. They customize the covers, the welcome letters. They can add editorial content. Then we all go to print through Dow Jones, and it's distributed with the Wall Street Journal. And what's um, the cadence? So it we're, we we started last year. We did two publications, two issues last year. We're we're publishing four times a year was our goal for 2019. Um, but we're actually we're we're probably going to do six this year. We did a special That's edition incredible. for our global networking event about a month ago in Vancouver. Um, we have a Hong Kong auction event uh, in October, and we're going to do another special edition for that. The the global networking event in Canada that edition sold out three times. Our network is you know that's the the level of excitement you know we added 16 pages they sold out we added eight more pages they sold out we had another eight we we could have kept selling it out but we ran out of time um so that that's encouraging and exciting and again you know that content is all that content lives on our website it feeds our new the new blog we've re we've reinvented the blog for the brand we launched a podcast around the reside magazine um which is really taking off as well so it's you know it's 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 starting to influence it's become our content platform really We'll be right back to pros and content after this brief message. The Pros and Content Podcast is brought to you by Notch, the content intelligence platform for brands. For a demo and to learn how to best plan, measure, optimize, and benchmark your content marketing strategy, visit us at notch.com. K-N-O-T-C-H dot com. Notch. It's all you'll ever need. How do you think about putting the word out there into channels and maybe places that people haven't heard of Sotheby's or are not used to seeing Sotheby's? Because th we're talking about your own content and about the efforts that you're right. putting in place to empower your agents. How do you tell the world about Sotheby's yeah. outside of the network? So we ha so that's actually part of what I came here to talk about, you know, to this event, because I wanted to talk to 
content developers and and companies that were that could assist us in sort of uh, distributing the content we develop to audiences that that don't know us as well as we would like, right? There is, again, you know, the brand awareness is there, but the consideration that that's where our opportunity lives, right? So they know Sotheby's, but a lot of people think, well, I could never afford a Sotheby's International Realty home. Or, you know, my home isn't, we hear this from clients, we hear people say, my house isn't nice enough to list with your company. Um, But we don't, there's no entry level price point to sell a home at Sotheby's International Realty. There's the perception of that. Totally. Yeah. And that is something that I I know from the luxury space that, that it's a bit of an intimidation factor. It needs to be aspirational. That's, that's meaningful to luxury brands, but it can't, you know, that can't keep people away. Yeah, you have to walk right? the line. Right. It can it can work against you if you don't pay attention to right. that. So I wanted to come here to talk to or to, to, to just hear about what was going on in this space. And I've had some amazing conversations. One yesterday with um, the New York Times. There's a phenomenal project they're working on uh, that's going to be culminating closer to the end of the year. There are sponsorship opportunities for us to get involved in. It's going to be that project is really about putting uh, the voice of the New York Times in the hands of an audience that doesn't know them well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to be a part of that. I think it's important for us to. And it's a, it's meaningful, too. It's all it's all centered around the project is, is called 16, 1619. It's a phenomenal, you know, I, I think a, a very timely, very important issue for the, you know, the times to be discussing. Um, and I want very much for us to be able to to partner with them and say, you know, this is to be able to say to consumers that our brands can be part of these meaningful conversations that don't necessarily have to deal with buying or selling a home. Um, we can do more than that. Um and so I've, I've been I've been really excited about some of the opportunities that have presented themselves here. So you have big plans to to go into channels where you haven't been yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're constantly looking. I think that you know, when I came on board, I thought, um, you know, prior to my predecessor was at the brand for ten years, and and the approach was was um, um, I think very uh, sort of focused within the industry. Right. right. And, and, you know, so I, I believe Sotheby's International Realty can step outside of the industry and have these conversations with consumers. Ultimately, it's a consumer brand. Yeah. And, and, and it is unlike any other real estate right. brand. Right. And that's why when I got here and I, I sent an email to our, to our CEO, Philip White, uh, the day before yesterday, and I said, I think I'm the only person from real estate here. I don't think there's <laughs> anyone else here. That's actually true. Which I think is, it's true. Right? I haven't met anyone and <laughs> yeah, I've me met either. a few hundred people. And, and that is both surprising and not surprising to me it's surprising because that there's so much the the the, our industry is being disrupted so dramatically right now that Mm -hmm. they should be here um um but i'm not surprised because we're it's just beginning i mean it's validation that you're ahead of the market so that's great i hope so yeah yeah so we've talked about how you've essentially gone from strength to strength what are some of the challenges that you're dealing with when it comes to either the finding the right story scaling the story finding the right partners measuring so I think one of the biggest challenges is the the structure of our business where we are we so I mentioned we have company owned offices in in major markets we have about 43 company owned offices but we have 950 or so more around the world that belong to our franchise companies. Um we are I you know I I think a more tightly brand managed franchise organization than many others um certainly in the real estate space but even so um 
you know, we have to, we need buy-in from our franchise owners and they are owners of independent companies. So Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, outside of brand use guidelines, I can't mandate that they publish reside, Right. right? I can't mandate that they use our website and not build their own. I can't mandate those things. And, and prior to, um, you know, to the last couple of years, they, they, the, the independent thought at our franchise organizations was we know our markets best and they do. They know, they know their markets better than I ever could. Um, um, so they were, there was a lot of creative development happening in those individual locally, markets right, locally right. that wasn't so tied to the brand. Right. And so we have a lot of our affiliated companies that are, are, have been going it alone, so to speak, for a number of years and doing a phenomenal job, have been mm-hmm. enormously successful. Now there's this opportunity to really take that to the next level, right? So we have the companies that are part of the Reside Publishing platform now understand that by contributing content to the base book, that content then goes around the globe, right? It's on our website. Right. It exists for everyone. So it's in their interest because it enables them to sell. Yeah, To absolutely. sell to audiences and, that and, are in And then local. realize, you know, enormous efficiency by doing that, totally, right? There's yeah. you, the, There's... The brand, the power of the brand to be able to go in and vet third party vendors and work with partners and have recommended or preferred alliances. Um, our individual companies, franchise companies can't do that yeah. on the same level. Um, and so I think that's new for us. It's a new approach. It is, uh, it, you know, I've had a lot of, uh, constructive debate with our, with our, uh, a number of our owners since I started and it's all good. I mean, it's been an enor- enormous opportunity for me to learn and I hope for them too, to see that this opportunity exists now and it didn't exist before. And it exists now because the, the, our, our business world is different than it was 24 months ago. Do you feel like you ever have to have the conversation around the value of content to debate sure. the value of content? All the time. And how do you how do you justify it or how do you debate? So uh, so when I joined so at both at Gucci and at Barney's New York, I I was part of research projects with um, uh, uh, Pierre Duprel, who's at he's a global thought leader at BCG now. He was at um, Millward Brown Vermeer uh, when I worked with him at at uh, Gucci and Barney's. So when I first joined, I saw this opportunity immediately. I mean, before I started, I knew this opportunity was was here. So I reached out to him and I said, I, I we need some really concrete proof to take to our audience to say this we at we spoke to your consumers we spoke to our consumers this is what they want from us this is what we need to do so um i was i was lucky enough to get to kick off that research project right in you know within the first six months of joining the brand we started this work um we spent 10 weeks with bcg and we built a two-year roadmap with these nine imperatives and so we took those imperatives to our audience our franchise owners um and said, this is what we're, we're going to do because we did the research, right? You have to do the research. If you don't, you're just, you're trying to sell them something that they're not suspect of, but unsure about, right? Totally, it's not, yeah. it's, you know, it's, they, they know that the disruption is happening. They know that consumer behavior is fundamentally different than it used to be in the real but estate they space. Need to see the data. But they need to see something that says, okay, this is, these are the numbers that say things are changing and then the sort of the door is open and there's a there's a willingness to let us in to have this conversation um so i had to have the proof right i need i needed proof points and we were able to do that we're actually going back to that work i we i just saw the initial scope for um sort of a check-in with bcg that we're going to do at the end of this summer um we're going to you know we checked all nine of those boxes which was amazing i you know i was optimistic that we would get through them all but to get through them all in the timeline that we set up was phenomenal 
Um, and again, I think a result of people understanding, okay, this is happening now, right? This is, this is what we just need to do. Um, so we're going to check in and, and hopefully have new proof points to take back to the network. When you, when you think about the higher level um, success of content, how would you define it? Like what, what would success mean if you were talking to your CEO or if your CEO was talking to the board, what would be success? Yeah, I think success would be... Um, one, I think the Reside platform is an example of an, a huge success for us. So I'm enormously proud of, of what has happened there. So the, the, the traction that we have gotten with that, the number, you know, 65% of our companies transacting over a billion dollars are publishing on that platform now, which is phenomenal. And these are big companies that, again, you know, we're doing it, they were going it alone for a long time. And, right. and um, so that willingness is, is a huge, you know, a big step forward there. I think, you know, if we could start to prove that we've shifted the consideration totally, that the needle yeah. has moved yeah. with that core demographic of emerging affluence, that would be huge, right? That that's the next thing we need to we need to look at. Has it has it changed? Has the perception begun to shift that yes, this is in fact a brand that is for me? Yeah. And how long do you think it would take? I mean, it's it's taken you how long so far? A year and a half, two years? So the the initial nine uh, um, um, recommendations that were part of the BCG work took two years. That was a two-year roadmap. The reason I ask is because I think a lot of senior leaders, sometimes even senior marketers, want to create content but maybe don't have the patience mm. to create enough and scale it enough before they go back to the data and yeah. look at whether that perception has shifted. Because it's not, I think a lot of marketers come from display land mm -hmm. where there's this uh, instant gratification yeah. of was it clicked? Was it clicked? Was it clicked? Was yeah. it viewed? We get a little bit of that. We do, you know, and, and that's you know when I meet with our owners, our franchise owners, they they'll often say, "Well, what what has changed? Has it changed?" Yeah, Are tell they, me you know, now. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, it has changed. You know, we've seen for us to go the our YouTube channel is the perfect example. So in February of last year, we got the Silver Creator Award from YouTube, which is for we reached a hundred thousand subscribers to our YouTube channel organically. We didn't go out and buy our audience; they were coming to us. That was February of last year. We've already passed 200,000 subscribers. So the growth there is really right. extraordinary. And this is because we're feeding more and more of the lifestyle content coming from the Reside platform into the YouTube channel. We launched a series of short form videos called, they're called the, the um, um, our instance. Um, and they're, per they're, they're designed for agents. They're designed for social media. We're, we put them on our YouTube channel. They're getting shared everywhere. The numbers are phenomenal around just the, the adoption rate for mm -hmm. those across the network. Um, um, so we, we, the, we, it's, it is starting. The indicators are there. We do need to, we need, we need to go back and look at that in a very concrete way. And do a couple of final questions because I know the marketers on, who are listening to this are going to want to know, how did you initially argue um, or maybe educate the stakeholders on the value of content? And how did you induce them to have the patience to wait for some of these results? So what were I some think I, practical I, ways? I probably made some missteps when I first oh, really? started. I, but, you know, so when I came on board, because I had been through this, right, because I saw this happen in the luxury retail space, um, and a lot of it felt very familiar, I, you know, I, I, I hit the ground running and thought, okay, this, these are the things we do need to do. These are the things we need to do. And I had a sort of small group of early adopters, a number of our companies that said, yes, we get it. This is the same thing we've been thinking about. So they turned into sort of our, our beta test um, audience. Um, I had a large group in the middle that were skeptics that were sort of scratching their heads saying, oh, this is a big change. Like why, you know, you want us to publish a magazine in a, in a completely different way or we have our own or we've never done that. And we, we don't 
I think the 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 skepticism was around you know doubts about how meaningful it really was how important it really was and my you know i i think i i moved very quickly in assuming that they knew right um and and so i would i would do that differently now i would i would spend more time um you know communicating the the recommendations from the boston consulting group um in a, in a uh you know probably more of a one-on-one conversation. I would go from owner to owner to owner and sit with them and say, let's walk through this together because I know I'm asking you to change your approach. And I know that's hard. Um, you know, and then we had a a group, uh, sort of the third group where the group was the group that was saying, no, not yet. We're not ready for Mm -hmm. this yet. This is too much, too fast, too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, in hindsight, I, I would approach it. I know, I still know that it was the right thing to do and it of has course. been the right thing yeah. to do, but yeah. I would, I would have not slowed it down. I think made, put greater emphasis on those individual conversations. So a concerted effort to essentially educate and bring everyone along on the journey. Yeah, yeah exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So final question. How did you think about building your team around this mission? Do you have a head of content? Is there a content studio? Is it internal? Do you work with an agency? That would yeah. be fascinating to hear. So the reside, so all of the content created for the reside platform is done with a dedicated team at Dow Jones, which is amazing. So yep. in that way, I expanded my team um, dramatically because yeah, now we have e- we have experts. editors and we have yes and you know there have a hundred and some odd Pulitzer prizes. I mean they know what they're doing. Yeah, the journal totally. Dow Jones they know exactly what they're doing um, and they've done a phenomenal job. I did reorganize my team a little bit. I you know I can't I got very lucky. I came into a phenomenal team that was passionate about this and mm. and you know they're younger they're creative they want to be doing more of this so to some degree i felt like you know i was just sort of taking the reins off of them and saying well let's just try you know i i i'm i've always had this philosophy that the the only real failure is to not try right that's the only that's the only real failure to me it it if you try and it doesn't work great then you know it didn't work and you need to try something else and you can shift gears um by the way i always say companies don't fail people give up yeah. Because you just need to keep trying. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, as and I, I, that's exactly it. The more you try, the more you know, the more you learn, totally, the more yeah. you understand. Yeah. So I did some reorganization. We sort of moved creative. You know, we, we have, we started working with a content partner called Quietly based in Vancouver. They've done a phenomenal job driving, you know, helping us authoring content for us. Um, oh, we launched a, a, a new content channel on Inman called Leading in Luxury. That's an exclusive channel for Sotheby's International Realty that, um, the average time on page for our articles is seven minutes, which mm. is just extraordinary. Uh, we had an article a few months ago that the average was 10 minutes, which, wow. you know, they, Inman called us and said, we've just never seen this happen before. That's awesome. So we're, that evolution, I think, continues. I think as as the website, you know, the relaunch continues and, and Reside continues to grow, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to need to sit with my senior, my, my senior leadership um, and talk about how our organization needs to evolve to make mm-hmm. sure that we are doing just that, that we are creating content, you know, in, in, in a um, fast enough, efficiently enough, effectively enough. You know, if we can't just rely on the team at Dow Jones and the editorial team there, um, we can't just rely on a third party like quietly. Um, so that's that's coming. That's really cool to hear. Well, it sounds like you essentially came in and managed to find all the right partners to get this started. Now you're trying to prove the value of it to the larger organization. And as soon as you do that, you'll be able to scale the team accordingly. I hope so. So yeah. it sounds like a yeah. really great journey. It's, that, yeah. it, is, it has been. It's been phenomenal. That, that the, the, the Proving the value is the thing that we need to do now. 
Yeah. Right. We're in that space now where yeah. we've, you know, we've had some big wins. We've made some major shifts in our approach. I, you know, I sort of refer to it as the modern edit for our brand. We have the, the new sort of feeling of Sotheby's International Realty. Um, um, but proving that out is, is where we're what we're looking at now. That's great to hear. Well, yeah. cool. Thank you so much Thank you. for coming on. Thanks really so appreciate the chat. Yeah, it's great to be here. That was my conversation with Kevin Thompson. I really loved his story of going from Gucci to Sotheby's and taking the lessons that he learned there, turning a brand around through storytelling and taking it into another luxury brand that's in a very, very different space. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. And for any feedback that you have, please email me at anda at prosandcontent.co. I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to nominate other speakers for us to feature. And if you want to hear more amazing content about the pros and cons of making content or being a better storyteller in today's world, please head to prosandcontent.co for more episodes. The best thing you could do for us is to rate, review, and share the series so we can grow the community and the much-needed conversation around the purpose and importance of brand storytelling. See you next time on Pros and Content. 